Hey, do you teach yoga? Have you ever trained to lead yoga classes to be a yoga therapist? Have you ever owned a yoga studio? Maybe even just wondered what it was like for the women and men up there in front of the room on their mats, leading you through endless Surya Namaskars, down dogs, and pranayamas galore? Well, these are their stories and mine. I'm Rebecca Sebastian, a 20-year yoga teacher, 10-year yoga therapist, yoga studio owner, and co-founder of a yoga-focused nonprofit. I've done a lot in the yoga world over the last 20 years, pretty much everything except had a water cooler. You know, a place to share stories, talk about struggles, successes, and find other people who do the same thing that I do. Welcome to Working in Yoga, a podcast and substitute water cooler for yoga folks to connect and build community, to share our unique profession, our challenges, and our journeys with the world. Hey friends, welcome to Working in Yoga. This week on the podcast, we are in episode two of our summertime professional care series for yoga professionals. Today's topic is new goals and fresh starts. We are talking about our fresh start that happens between now and the end of the year and beyond. What we do to reevaluate, reassess, and maybe treat ourselves as yoga professionals a bit differently than we did before. But before we begin, this is the time where I ask you to follow or subscribe to the podcast from wherever you're listening. That helps the AI that runs all the things show this podcast to other folks who may be interested and is a really great way to support me and my work. Now, if you are a longtime listener and would like to step things up a notch, go ahead and write a five-star review with one or two sentences to tell a potential listener why you find this podcast valuable. And thanks, of course, to Sunlight Streams, our sponsor for the podcast this week. Sunlight Streams is a virtual self-care studio, and we are looking to collaborate, the two of us, at hosting a yoga professionals retreat for 2024. If you are interested in the idea of doing something like this, going somewhere and really being able to connect together as yoga professionals and figure out ways to further our careers, head to my website, www.workinginyoga.com and fill out the contact form to let me know. Don't forget to add where you'd love to head to and what subjects you wanna unpack while we're there. Now, onto our summertime care series for yoga professionals, part two. First, I want to discuss what it means to reassess your goals in just past mid-year. We often talk about New Year's goals, and if I'm being really honest with you all, I take a whole lot of time for myself around New Year's thinking about goals for myself, both professionally and personally. I make goals for my studio, I make goals for myself professionally, and I do distinguish between those two things, and I make goals for myself personally. I usually make these goals in that order with myself last, and one of my goals for 2023, personally, was no more self-sacrifice, where I chose to actively put myself and my own care first. Let me tell you, it has been a terrifying year of saying no and canceling things, but I would recommend this path for anybody who has both perfectionism and people-pleasing tendencies like I do. Reframing how I look at myself in relationship to the things I do has been one of the most crucial and empowering things that I have ever done, and truly, I would give it five stars for sure. So let's do the same thing for ourselves now 
mid-summer time as yoga professionals. This is really such a good time for us to pause and reflect on our professional year so far. It is usually slow, which we discussed a bit about last week, so it's a great time to take some space and be really intentional with how we show up for the rest of 2023. So let's take a moment and look back and wipe the slate clean for the fall and winter of this year and the beginning of next. First, ask yourself this. Is there anything you want to do less of? This is the first thing I would encourage you to think about. Are there any classes, teaching styles, or students that you need to let go of in order to serve yourself better for the rest of the year? What things can you make space for by saying no to other things? And also, what things make you feel badly? This is something we don't talk about enough, the stuff in this industry that makes us feel bad about ourselves. Are we feeling bad about ourselves because we want to make more money, but perhaps a revered and sacred teacher once said that she lived on $24,000 a year? That happened to me one time, actually. Are we feeling bad because we have a student who makes us feel uncomfortable because we know that we aren't the right teacher for them? Is there a boss or working situation that's making us feel bad? Look, There's enough things in life that make us feel badly without yoga being yet another one of them. So whatever is making you feel bad, whatever you need to let go of, go ahead, let it go. That is okay. This is a great time of year to do that. After you've really assessed those things that aren't working for you, let's then flip the script. Is there anything that you wanna work towards? Maybe hosting a workshop series or a retreat or having a blog or podcast of your own? Maybe it's making the leap to work for yourself more than for the studio that you're currently working for. Maybe it is creating new content that you never really have been confident enough to build before this point. Maybe it could be just making more money. Now that last one, I really want to address. So here's some real talk. It is much easier to make more money when you're actually trying to do that. Building a sustainable career that nourishes you doesn't just happen by accident in any industry, and especially ours. You've got to decide that you want to build a career that pays you real money, real dollars and cents. I don't believe that anything about yoga says that you shouldn't want to make a sustainable and reasonable living while working as a yoga professional. It is okay to want to make money and take vacations. In fact, wouldn't it just be incredibly liberating to embrace that mindset for the rest of 2023? Now, for me, I decided in 2023 that I wanted to work towards being a published writer. So I started my blog on self-care, submitted articles to magazines, many of which got published, actually. You can watch for me in Yoga Therapy Today this year, and in the most recent issue of Minnesota Yoga and Life magazine, they also published an article by me as well. So I have been spending a lot of time this year, in 2023, up-leveling the skill set of writing. This is honestly grueling work, the work of getting better at something. And if you participated in our Yoga Professionals Challenge last month, you know that I think up-leveling your skill set is probably the most important and overlooked thing that you can do as a yoga professional. Now, I just want to say this. We are not the same people we were on January 1st of this year. Take a moment. 
look back at who you were at the beginning of 2023. Let me tell you who I was. I was a burned out and broken hearted yoga studio owner. 2022 was an incredibly difficult year for me professionally. And if you listened to my podcast episode with my friend Shannon Crow at the end of last year, you know that I had a good solid stint of last year that I was wanting to quit absolutely everything. Now, fast forward eight months, I've gotten better at things that really make a difference for me professionally, and I've worked through the discomfort of not feeling good enough to stay in my business. I don't feel like quitting, and in fact, I don't feel burned out. I do wish I had worked ahead of time on blogs and podcasts to make my summertime this year easier, but I have 2024 to get better at that skill. I bet you might be feeling like you're a different person from January 1st, too. So now is a great time to reassess who you are now, today, and adjust your goals to meet today you, not January 1st you. So let's take stock of some things and make some new yoga professional goals. I want you to ask yourself questions like, have you moved towards those things that are really important to you professionally? Have I spent time on myself and cared for myself in the context of my professional journey? Tell me this, have you shared space with folks who inspire you? What goals do you have that are further away from you than you'd like? Then really pause and reflect on how satisfied you are with the year so far. Do those goals that you made in January hold up now in the harsh and hot light of summertime? Perhaps you've shifted, your priorities have changed, or you found out that you really don't like teaching yin as much as you thought you were going to this past winter. Next, let's do a bit of a visualization. I want you to imagine yourself on New Year's Eve, December 31st, 2023. What do you want to feel like about the previous year, professionally and personally? What goal is it really important that you shift towards? Take your time and really imagine yourself there. Are you at a party? Are you at home? What outfit are you wearing? Who are you spending time with? And how is that version of you shifted towards your goals? Once you've gotten a clear picture, write it down because you know where to begin. Now, next week on the Summertime Yoga Professional Care Series, we are talking about something I like to call the dip and how we deal with it. Let me tell you this, my friends, progress is never straight upwards, and it is important to acknowledge that and give ourselves some strategies and some space to combat when we have those low times. Now, before we go, I have a listener question this week that I want to read and answer. This comes from a lovely human who sent a question into my contact form on my website And I'm going to read it to you now because this is honestly a question I've seen around the internet so often this summer. So let's talk about it. Hi there. I would love to hear your thoughts about the new Yoga Alliance requirements that only 15% of yoga teacher training be conducted in a synchronous or face-to-face manner. The rest of the YTT can be done in a completely pre-recorded format. While I do think that there is a much needed place for some pre-recorded information in a YTT in a small amount, I have really serious concerns with this. Not only is there a lack of connection and interaction in the training, I feel that this is a race to the bottom. 
that will lead to the lowering of the quality of students graduating, and this will not serve to uplift or raise the standards of our profession. I personally have seen this from four different students who graduated from four different pre-recorded Yoga Alliance approved 200-hour YTTs. Students seek out the cheapest and easiest 200-hour teacher training rather than the best and are very poorly prepared to teach a safe and effective class. Now, maybe I'm overreacting, but in 2019, when the Yoga Alliance was raising the standards of YTTs, I was excited. Now we seem to be moving in exactly the opposite direction and dramatically lowering the standards. Okay, y'all, let's get into it. Have you too been wondering what's going on with teacher training programs? Well, I'm going to spend some time this fall talking about it, but I wanted to answer this really thoughtful question before that. And there's a few things I want to address. Here's the first. A lot of these pre-recorded yoga teacher training programs were seeing advertised online for super cheap rates, $300, $400, $500 to be a 200-hour yoga teacher training program. And I have seen recently this surge of folks who are defending these super low-cost programs because of the accessibility factor, because they're financially accessible accessible to a lot of folks. But let me tell you something. I think this accessibility idea of a four hundred hour or four hundred dollar yoga teacher training program is a trick of the light. I actually don't think, on the whole, when you're really looking at the big scope of things, that those teacher training programs are any more financially accessible than any of the rest of them. What these programs have done is just created a really low cost barrier or a really low cost entry point for people who are thinking about becoming yoga teacher tra- or yoga teachers. But here's the deal. I also know many people who graduated from programs like that and they did exactly what this listener emailed me about. They went on and did other yoga teacher training programs because they didn't feel like they were prepared to teach. So is it really cost effective for you to spend $400 to realize that you want to be a yoga teacher and then spend another $2,500 or $3,500 on another yoga teacher program in order for you to feel confident enough to teach? Actually, if that's the case, you spent more money than the rest of us who started out in a $2,500 yoga teacher training program. It's probably more expensive for you than it is for the rest of us. So don't get caught up in this idea that we have to be the cheapest out there. I totally agree with that. As far as synchronous versus asynchronous learning is concerned, gosh, do I feel like this is complicated. I also agree there is definitely space in our yoga teacher training programs for us to have asynchronous learning. What that means is you're watching videos on demand. You're not attending something live. You're learning from a video and then you're coming back and connecting with the teacher to talk about what you've learned while you're watching the video. My question is this, how much do we value our profession? I don't think that in-person transmission is always necessary, like I said, but I do think that we need some connection with our teachers in order to answer questions properly or to provide guidance. So 
sometimes when we're comparing our industry with other industries, it becomes a really difficult apples to apples comparison. So let's talk about three different industries that I've used for a very long time to see where our professional path can go. There's massage therapists, people who brew beer, and chiropractors. <laughs> and you might be surprised at some of these and not surprised at the other. But how much do we value our profession? Now, could you imagine somebody who brews beer could go online, take a completely online certification, and get a job brewing beer without without supervision in a brewery? Probably not. You would have to then have that person go and do some sort of mentorship or guidance program at the brewery before they could go and brew beer for the public. The reason why I use brewery Breweries, as an example here, is because brewery making and beer making is a wholly unregulated industry much like ours. And there are a lot of giants in the beer world who have the vast majority of the market, and then there's a lot of smaller craft breweries who are fighting to stay afloat. Now, if you look at massage therapists, massage therapists have also taken a really similar professional trajectory to ours. They started out as a profession that had a lot of baggage in the background. People thought that those folks were doing things that they weren't doing. They chose to professionalize and license so that you could go into a massage school, learn the things that you needed to learn. Could you imagine learning that online? Of course not. And then you would become a licensed professional. And you have chiropractors. And I think as a yoga therapist in that professional capacity within our industry, I think that yoga therapy is probably following a chiropractor's model where we're looking at yoga therapy shifting into a higher education model or a medical model of training their people. Now, we are probably 10 years, if not longer, away from really going into a higher education or medical model for yoga therapists, professionally speaking, but I definitely see the yoga, um, not the Yoga Alliance, the IAYT, International Association of Yoga Therapists, paving the way for that to happen. Now, none of those jobs you would expect to train 100% remotely. You would not expect to train a Starbucks barista 100% remotely. You need to be with somebody who can check and make sure that you are doing the job that you were assigned whether it is a fully remote program where you're submitting videos into a teacher trainer or a teacher training team and they're assessing them and coming back to talk to you live about what works and what doesn't work, that's one way that we can do this. But having all of our training be completely remote, except for 15 hours, I have hesitancy about this too. But let's talk about the Yoga Alliance. I do think the Yoga Alliance is responding to what they feel the need is within the industry right now. And the need is for things to be a little bit more accessible, that we can train more people. We've had a lot of folks leave since COVID. And so I think they're doing what they feel like the need is. And to be honest with you, it is a lot harder to just... It is a lot easier, excuse me, to just deprofessionalize the industry than to build the blocks of a new profession from scratch. And that's almost what we need. It is immensely more difficult to build the pathway of professionalism than it is to just say, oh, what we do isn't that important. 
Now, if you've been listening to the podcast for more than a minute, you know that I feel like our jobs are incredibly important and we do add value to the world. My next question, we need to be asking ourselves where training should be. Should trainings be in the hands of the studios? Now, I've said this before. I said this on that podcast with my friend Shannon that I was referencing last year. This is probably my most controversial hot take, but I don't know that I feel like yoga teacher training programs should be in the hands of the studios. Now, caveat, 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 if you know my studio, you know that I am launching a 200-hour yoga teacher training program in the fall. I'm doing that as a service to my local area because there is no inclusive or accessible yoga teacher training program near me, so I'm launching one. This is not how I make my money, though. This is not how my studio stays afloat. This is just something I'm doing because I'm passionate about the industry. If there were other teacher training programs I could refer people to, you better believe I absolutely would do that. And I think there's a little bit of cognitive dissonance here going on between studios and the Yoga Alliance and job reporting services like Indeed and us, the yoga professionals. Now, the reason why I reference Indeed is because I find it to be a huge problem that we can go online and, and Google Indeed how much do a yoga teachers make in a year, and Indeed will pop up saying something like fifty or $60,000 a year as a yoga teacher. Who's making that kind of money? I mean, maybe folks on the coasts are, and if you're working 20 or 30 classes a week, sure, I realize that's possible, but for most of us, That's not what we're making, unless you're a name, unless you're running teacher training programs. So we need to have some real talk with the Yoga Alliance, professional reporting services, studios, and us, the professionals, talking about the industry, talking about how much money we need to be making by training, talking about what is really important to to be seeing in our teacher training programs. I, I'm going to be honest, I really want to commit in 2024 to tackle this issue more fully. I have been looking at this for a little bit of time, and I feel like we have to really talk about what we are and who we are as professionals and how we train in order to evolve as the new generation of yoga professionals. And one final word, we've got to be nicer to each other, especially to our new yoga pros who are just coming out of 200-hour YTTs, whether they're online or in person. So if you're running into folks who you find are not well-trained or prepared to be yoga teachers, skillful yoga teachers, let's commit to lifting each other up. Take them on as in a mentor-mentee sort of fashion. Our industry is full of folks who have mean girl attitudes. And I want to be clear, clear, I do not mean the writer of this letter who is incredibly lovely. But other people that I'm seeing in my own area, man, it is a mean girl game out there. If you're seeing that too, and you're seeing a need in your community with new teachers coming in, how are you addressing it? We have and do not in any way have a universal industry leadership, which means that it is up to us to build grassroots systems within our communities to support each other. So I'd love to hear what you're doing in your communities to support new yoga teachers. Are you hosting meetups, continuing at workshops, something else that I haven't thought of? 
I want to know what you're doing in your local communities to lift up us as professionals. And I want to know what you think. Do you think 15 hours of synchronous or face-to-face contact is enough for us as yoga professionals? I'm with my listener. I hesitate to say 15 15 hours seems like so little, y'all. Out of 200, that's less than 10% of the time. Thanks again for joining me around the water cooler. And thank you to the listener for the amazing question. If you have a question that you want me to address online or ramble a little bit about, make sure that you check out my website, www.workinginyoga.com and hit that contact button so that you can submit your question. And as a final reminder, if you are not on my newsletter yet, you should really get there. I share not only thoughts about the podcast, but a roundup of cool things that I am listening to, reading, and seeing out there in the world. I will catch you next week for our part three series of how to care for ourselves in the summer. I'll see you then.